Hey everybody, it's the 20th of April, and the big day with snow is finally here. We are actually just now starting to get a little snow coming down here this morning. We're on kind of the edge of it so far, but it looks like we're going to get snow. Uh, got a little corn in the ground. A lot of neighbors got a lot of soybeans in the ground. One neighbor's planting uh, corn right by us. Um, I I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of precipitation out of this. So my idea is, is as soon as the snow event's over, I'm going to start planting corn. And it's going to get to 80 next week. Should start bringing some of this corn up. Shouldn't have too much problems. But let's talk about the grain markets this morning. That's what everybody wants to talk about. That's what everybody wants to see. What everybody wants to think. Everybody wants to know. How high is this going? What, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, and I can tell you that a lot of the experts, and, and I'm not knocking the experts here because uh, th this is different this time than a lot of normal markets. Uh, and I'll explain why it's different here in a little bit. But they're, they're encouraging farmers to get some sales on the books, but then to turn around and come up with some type of strategy whether through options, re-ownership, uh, you know, all, all, there's all kinds of different ways to do things out there. Some of them very simple, some of them really complicated, some of them don't cost too much money, but you don't get a lot of reward out of them. Others cost a lot more money and, and you get more reward out of them. Basically, the capture part of a potential run-up in the price. And, and what's interesting is we're not even to the summertime yet. And that's when a lot of people thought that, that things would get short, when things would get tight, when the the grain, you know, the, the it would be really, really difficult in late June, July, August to get soybeans to crush to make soybean meal. Now, China is canceling some uh, sales. Well, they're not really canceling them. They're rolling them from the crop that we harvested this last fall to this crop we're going to harvest to this fall. And the reason they're rolling them is they bought them so cheap. If you look at where they purchased those uh, soybeans at and, and even the corn, China did a pretty good job of buying this thing up pretty cheap compared to where we are right now. And so they're rolling them in the next year. And, and they always double book. They always buy from us in Brazil both at the same time, uh, part, partly because Brazil has trouble getting ships loaded uh, they get their dock strikes. They get their trucker strikes. They just have the normal things that go on in Brazil that just happen. Uh, it's just kind of a regular occurrence. And that gives them the ability to divert ships up to the United States. But this year is different. And the fact is that China's got to cancel some of those purchases on this last year crop year. So the United States still has enough soybean meal, soybean oil, soybeans, basically, to get us through to the new harvest. And if they don't, if they don't cancel enough, then that means we're going to have to import protein from somewhere. Uh, and you got the, you got trouble down in the Malaysian palm oil production area. Uh, they, they they've had. Uh, problems with workers with COVID and people not wanting to work down there. And I get that. I understand that. And you turn around, um, they also have, because they have to get rid of a quote unquote, a lot of rainforest on those islands and peninsulas and different places to grow that uh, palm oil, 
that they're getting pressure from the major companies to not do that and put it in back to what it was and all this other kind of stuff. So it's really helped tremendously things like not only soybeans, but sunflower, canola, rapeseed, any kind of crop that can be turned into oil. It's helped it and it's helped it tremendously. So um, you're all going to be asking, where does this thing go from here? Well, let's talk a little bit where I talked about how this thing's different. This, this has been a long run in this market. It's been a real long run in this market. This thing basically started last August. And generally, when you get a market, quote-unquote, this long in the tooth, uh, it tends to run out of steam eventually because, you know, things will go one way for such a certain period of time, and then it pretty much gets over and it starts going the other way. The, the thing about what makes this one different was this a demand-led market? Was this a supply-led market? Was this both? Or, or, and I compare it more to this, is it a 1972, 73, 74 style market where in a short period of time we kind of ran up to a new level? Also, I, I kind of compare this to the 2006, 2007, 2008 run-up in the corn that that run up really started, and I remember in the fall of two thousand six talking to Fred and Fred. People who know the, that know me know who I'm talking about. One of the best and greatest elevator guys I ever knew. He's retired now, uh, but knew the grain markets, knew the grain business. You know, I I, I just remember taken to the to the train loader, uh, and they stayed open till nine o'clock at night because uh, Fred was always trying to get corn to the train loader, and one way to do that was to close all the other elevators down at 7 and keep the train loader open till 9, so people like me that wanted to get one or two more loads in would haul them in late at night, you know, get get them through, get them dumped, you know, and then, then come just get two more loads done a day. Well, Fred was there, and so I never missed an opportunity to pick Fred's mind to see what he thought. And I said, Fred, should we be selling this? Uh, I think at the time it was about two sixty five cash corn. Uh, it had been two forty five, but it had just jumped up within about four or five days to two sixty five cash. And Fred says, Well, you know, Bill, I generally when when corn's two twenty five cash in the fall, I would encourage farmers in a normal year to sell some uh, because you save your you save your storage and your dry you know you don't dry it down as much little bit of shrink, storage, interest on your money. But he said, this year's, I think, different. I, I think it's different. He said, boy, to, to be looking at 265 on a good crop, not, not a drought crop, but a good crop, and cash, fall, and to not sell it, wow. He said, I, I rarely will tell you that, but he says, I think you got to hold on to this. Well, it took clear until August of 2008 approximately 22 months later from when I was talking to Fred before that market peaked. And th this one may be somewhat, and I'm not saying this one's going to go 22 months. Don't, don't any stretch of the imagination. My guess is sometime this year, because 2021 is a rally year um, on some cycles that some of the people that I follow talk about. 
And if that's the case, then it's probably over this year sometime. But when this year and at what price? You know, was last night the high? Don't know. Uh, we really don't know. We can look back. Now, the one thing that we got different than we had in 2008. 2008, corn prices and bean prices were going to levels they'd never been before. And we didn't have any kind of chart points, any kind of things to look at. It was completely uncharted, unknown territory. Now, at least, we can look back to, to, those, to those markets, to those charts, and kind of start trying to decide and think and look at and decide what, what's going to happen, where it's going to go. But last night was a, was a pretty much drive them higher night. And, of course, a lot of the action's been happening in the overnight when it's thin, when it's not traded real heavy, when it goes on. And so everybody's going to get back to the question, so what do you think? Where's the top going to be? Where's it going to be at? You know, how much higher can this thing go when it turns over? How low is it going to go? How fast? And I think that just depends on a whole lot of factors. Um, how how big is this snow event? Uh, you know, I I was looking at some pictures of some corn in central Texas. The that corn is over knee high. It's almost waist high. And they were talking about, yeah, we're supposed to get a frost here. We're sure hoping it doesn't, but we're supposed to get a hard frost here. And if you get a hard freeze on corn that tall, you're going to kill that corn. Now, I know you're going to say, well, that's just, you know, central Texas. That's not a whole lot of area and stuff. But that's corn that was going to go to the market early because that corn was probably going to be harvested the first part of August. And if it now gets dinged with cold weather, uh, that that changes it. How how much and how far, well, how far south, how cold, how long is it going to be that cold, and how far is the wheat along, how far south it's going. And we you get into some places in Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, this wheat crop's far enough along that that, that, that heads up into the plant and... And you're gonna you're gonna basically wipe out that wheat. Now maybe this will be a big non-event. Maybe it won't get that cold. Maybe it won't go that far down. The the that's that's a game changer. And then then the big weather thing going on. What's happening with the second crop corn in Brazil right now? Seeing a lot of dry pictures on Twitter, but once again, farmers are probably not going to post the really good stuff. They're going to post the bad looking stuff. And so you're probably seeing more drop pictures compared to the, the good looking stuff. And that country's so big, you can get a big area that's in drought, but the rest of that country, because it's so big in geographic size, can have really good weather and can make up for a few problem areas and you can still raise a big crop. But on the other hand, if it does continue to stay dry down there, if it does continue to, to cause problems, uh, that's a game changer. And now let's go talk about the northern plains in the United States. Um, North Dakota, um, North Dakota, you know, eastern Montana, the Canadian prairie provinces, western South Dakota, uh, extremely, extremely dry. Now they're talking about maybe around the first, second of May, there could possibly be uh, more precipitation activity up there. There's a good chance that they're going to get a good soaking rain. And if they do, that'll allow them to get their crops in the ground. 
Uh, that'll allow them to, to especially put soybeans in up there. Uh, that, quote-unquote, that could help them tremendously, and that's something that's not going to be positive to the market, but it's going to be positive for those farmers raised to crop. So we're into a weather market already. Um, this cold weather is, you know, the, the I can tell you that if we would have had 70-degree weather instead of 50-degree weather, the my whole neighborhood would be, be dang near completely done planted. But everybody's sitting back, you know, and, and as I'm looking out the window right now, I'm seeing snow flurries. I'm seeing a pretty good snowstorm going on, really. And here it is. You know, how much How much did you plant probably? The, probably the question's going to be here in a couple weeks. How much did you plant before the snow and how much did you plant after the snow? And how do the two look and how do the two compare? And I can tell you, if the soybeans come through this, the way some people think they're going to come through this, uh, I think all the soybeans will be planted first in the in the coming years, and then it, then then people will go to corn. I think it'll be a complete mind shift in farmers on how they're going to be thinking about doing things. It's going to be interesting just to see how well these soybeans do with a blanket of snow on top of them. But I digress a little bit to to talking about a local thing. The overall outlook on this market, too, you know, if you want a new Agco combine, and the president of Agco pretty much said it, for this fall, you're not going to get one. They can't get steel. They can't get tires. They can't get electronics. They can't get chips. If you break down, and it's a component that may be hard to get parts for, that could be interesting what's going on. And I think that's one reason why a lot of us were itching to get started. We're worried about what happens, the what ifs, because of the quote-unquote post-COVID effects. And I don't know how quick we're going to come out of this COVID. I'm, I'm, and I don't want to dive way deep off into COVID. But that that's had some effect onto this market now coming up out of this thing on the other side and finding out what we got going on. And the fact that we've printed so god awful much money that, you know, is this inflation a la like the 1970s? And is it stagflation or is it true inflation? And I, you know, was going to talk about this one day, and I know some people would be bored to death with it, but I find it very interesting, and I think it's got long-term implications. Banks have got twice as much money in the banks as they have on loans. They're, they only have a loan-to-deposit ratio of about 50%. So the question becomes, what do the banks do with that other 50% of the money? What, what do they do? And and that's that's affecting these commodity markets. That putting pressure because people's got this excess cash, so they're they're buying corn and beans up, and they're buying them as an inflation hedge. And so far as an inflation hedge, it's worked pretty good because they've inflated in price. Um, it, it this this market to me is different. It feels different, but it's going to be like every other market. It's, it is going to come to an end. When it comes to an end, it's probably going to be quick. It's probably going to be fast. And we're probably all going to sit back and say, wow, I wish I'd have done more of X, Y, or Z when it was happening. You know, and, and you can hear the crazy talk numbers. You can hear the $9 corn, the $19 beans, the $31 beans. You can hear all the crazy talk. 
but once again, a year ago, and the pandemic was really going on about this time a year ago, there, 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 there was not a lot of activity in a lot of towns, in a lot of cities. People had pretty much vacated the streets. People had pretty much uh, confined themselves to home. And a year ago, if I'd have told you you couldn't buy a new tractor, if I'd have told you that corn and beans would, you know, beans would be $14 and corn would have a six in front of it or close to having a six in front of it, you'd, you'd have told me that was crazy talk then too. And so that there's there's where we're at with these markets. We are at profitable levels. I think at some point in time we need to cash in some of these profitable levels. But you you also I I use that risk too. You had the risk of selling it too cheap, along with uh, not having some type of reownership strategy in it. And when you start getting reownership strategies in it, it starts costing you money, and it, it's it's just really crazy and. You know, I haven't even touched on what I think the gold and silver markets have actually probably bottomed here and are probably getting what a lot of times is kind of a normal spring rally for them. Uh, just a lot of things going on in this market right now. A lot of a lot of push one way and the other. A lot of exterior forces at work. A lot of money being printed. A lot of inflation concerns out there. Um and then throw weather on top of it. And the fact is, what what are the Chinese stocks really? And I think it goes back to all the monsoons and all the weather problems that China had last year. And we could all, you know, when the Three Gorges Dam, people were worried about it breaking. They're having that record flooding. And, and it floods in China all the time. China's got a lot of big rivers. It gets a lot of rain in a lot of areas. You know, historically, China's had a lot of floods. But I think these were just huge, monstrous things going on. And how much corn crop did they lose in those big monsoons? How, how, how poor were their crops? And, and the other thing is, they, they have these big grain reserves in China, but how big are they? How much are they really there? How much of them did they use up in the tariff fight with Trump? Uh, what, what kind of qualities out there? And, and I've always said this before, in a communist society, the underlings down below are going to tell the people up above what they want to hear because they want to keep their job and their position. And so they're going to massage the things to make it work out the way the people up above want it to work out. So is there really any truth in any of the numbers anywhere? And do we really know where we're going? And then we can, and we can even slide over to the United States and get into the discussion about NAS. And did they really miss it, or was there that much really there, or was there more demand than what we thought? I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff we could talk about there. Um, but we find ourselves this morning, um, corn, corn was 4 to 6 higher overnight, beans were 20 to 24 higher overnight, and if I look at these markets correctly, um, you know, I see corn at... 596 and three quarters, that's May corn. I see May soybeans at 1472. Um, 28 cents away from 15 bucks. Wow. Um, that's that's some markets. Now the wheat market, uh, $6.57. Nothing to sneeze home at, but it's not into the rare air that corn and beans are. 
this cattle thing is going to get <clears throat> somewhat ugly uh, as long as they continue to liquidate cattle out of the northern plains. <coughs> You're going to have more supply. And, and a lot of those cattle are going to find another home in the southern plains where they got better grass. But you and I all know whenever they liquidate the older cows, they go to hamburger, and that's going to increase the amount. But let's look at these hogs. Uh, and this is a carcass weight on hogs, but they're, they're, they're $1.05. That's good money in these pigs. These pigs can still afford to, to, to pay for the corn and soybean meal, even though I'm sure they're complaining about their feed bills. But you look at cotton. Cotton's at eighty four forty one. Almost 85 cents. And July cotton is 85.89, almost 86 cents. Um, that That's, you know, of course, cotton's got to, cotton's got to mean, if cotton's going to maintain acres, cotton's got to, got to stay up with, with corn and soybeans. Just got to. So I'm not, I, you know, it may sound like I'm a little bit lost in these markets. I'm not lost. I can tell you what Judy and I are doing on our own place. Uh, we sold out the last of the beans when they got to like 1460 the first time back there in January. Uh, we've kept uh, some of the corn. Some, some, some people, her and, and dad, uh, they've kept a little bit more corn than some of the other landlords and myself. Um, the the corn the, the corn deal we always thought corn would have a chance at a run always thought there's a good possibility corn was going to put a six in front of itself looks like that's probably going to happen here in old crop and then you know where do you start pricing a new crop and and I know a lot of people have priced some new crop we haven't priced any new crop yet beans are getting in that territory where you're going to start thinking about uh, we need to start them. I mean, they're at twelve ninety eight. They're getting ready. New crop beans are getting ready to put thirteen dollars in front of them, and the ability to pre-sell some beans at thirteen dollars is not a bad place to be. And then if you go over to the new crop corn, you know December corns at five twenty four. Uh, so we're getting in that their territory where we can sell five dollar cash corn off the combine fall right ahead. And you're also hearing for some, you know, early SEP delivery contracts, uh, some, for, and it's not crazy talk, it's actual numbers. I mean, there's some, there's some dollar and soybean premiums, what I'm hearing. And then, you know, the corn is kind of like, well, talk to me. And we're going to have to see what it's going to take to shake loose some of this corn. And if this corn carryover actually continues as high as what they think it is, or if that corn carryover drops down to a billion bushel. Going to be interesting, folks, just to see where all this goes, in my opinion. Well, hey, kind of a long ramble here, kind of a deal, but I know every, everybody's been asking me. I got people calling me yesterday kind of asking what I thought of these markets, and I, I am no grain advisor. I'm no licensed broker. I'm just a farmer telling you what my thoughts are on what our operation is and what we're thinking it is. And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look back at some different times, 1973 through 74, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on reminds me of that time frame where you just couldn't buy anything new, where you couldn't get your hands on certain things where stuff was just in short supply. Uh, the, the 2006 to 2008 corn market where it just kind of kept chugging higher. Uh, now, 
you know, and I can't remember if it was 10 or 11, but it was one of those two years, you know, we made the low on the 11th of June. And that's the other thing too. A lot of times the 20th of June is either your high or your low. I know that doesn't make sense, but you know, the, everything's really good. You know, we get the crop planted in great shape. Everything looks wonderful. And the grain trade, you know, slides this market down and well, it's going to rain. It's going to rain and it never rains and it never rains and it never rains. And that means that 20th of June was your low where on the other side is we struggle to get it planted. Things don't look too good. You know, it's not going good. Uh, we eventually get it planted. Things still don't look good. And then the 20th of June, they predict a rain. And guess what? It does rain and it keeps raining and things look a whole lot better with some water added to them. And that then then your 20th of June happens to be your high. So the market could go two ways. And I think that's that somewhere between the end of planning and that 20th of June, I think we'll look for a turn in this market. Now, whether it's a turn, uh, whether it's the turn where it turns around and goes the other way for a long time, or whether it's just a corrective turn, I still look for a turn sometime in that time frame. Well, hey, I've went on long enough this morning. Just wanted to talk the markets a little bit with you. I know people wanted wanted to kind of just pick my brain and see what see what I'm thinking, see what I know, uh, and and actually, uh, I I will admit I'm maybe as lost as a lot of other people on this thing, but I do know that Judy and I we've been bullish since last summer, uh, and we didn't sell beans off the combine. We held beans on the combine because we thought they'd be worth more money, and they were. And I know some people may want to say, well, that was lazy marketing and the market rally bailed you out. But on the other hand, whenever you think the market's going to rally and it did ended up doing that and rallying, the best thing to do at times is to do nothing. And I'm not saying not to do anything right now. I'm not saying now's the time to do nothing. We're getting to a point where we're wanting to do, we're going to want to do something and we're probably going to want to do a lot of something. But while this thing's rallying, sometimes the thing to do is is either either buy back what you'd already sold, but then you know you don't do you want to buy it back on all time highs? No, you wanted to buy that back when this thing was a lot cheaper. So if you haven't bought it back, then it's it's tough to get it bought back now because so much of the run has happened. Um, and there was a lot of farmers that sold beans for nine dollars, a lot of ten dollar beans sold off the combine, and that was good money. Uh, made a profit, and you can never go wrong making a profit. Uh, it's just now we got to figure out what we're going to do with this next year. Well, hey, with that, to the smartest audience in agriculture, appreciate you listening. I hope this uh, anchor thing works out. Uh, Anchor's able to keep my uh, my bre- breakfast with bills. Twitter live, they went away. You weren't able to go back and listen to them with Anchor. You can, um, and I'll keep trying to put the stuff out there. Thanks.